We're in Joshua chapter 10 this morning. And it's good for us to remember, lest we forget, God has Joshua and Israel taking the promised land. They have to drive out the ungodly inhabitants of Canaan, those inhabitants that have refused to repent, refused to turn from their evil pagan ways. And some of their pagan ways were uh, like human infant sacrifice. And we should always remember God is patient towards us for us to turn from our sins, but never take his patience as a license to sin. Our God is perfect, he is holy, and he hates sin. God hates sin so much that he gave us his only son. He gave us his son as propitiation, a sacrifice for our sins. And any society, any people group, for them to turn and repent of their sinful ways is pure wisdom. And I am deeply concerned for America. We were founded upon godly principles. Uh, but now we appear to be a nation that's caught up in the pleasures of sin. And that's troubling to me. However, we have this great asset. We live in the age and day of grace. Forgiveness is bountiful. And we're greatly blessed for the covenant of grace that our Lord Jesus brought. But as we look further into the battles of, and wars of Israel as they begin to take the promised land, know and understand repentance by the inhabitants of Canaan, all those ungodly people, it could have saved thousands of lives if they would have simply turned and repented. But unfortunately, the heart and the ways of the people of Canaan, they're dark. They prefer their sinful ways and practices. And these people of Cana enjoy a lifestyle that is contrary to God. And therefore, God is forced to bring judgment upon the inhabitants of Canaan. So let's look at Joshua 10. We'll read the first six verses. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king. And now the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. But they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty, therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to these, and then it lists uh, four other kings there, saying, Come up to me and help me, 
that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up in all their armies and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us. Help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. As we have read these few verses at the beginning of chapter 10, there are five local kings along with their armies who are very afraid of Israel, including Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem. These five kings come together. They unite against uh, Gibeon. For Gibeon has made peace with Israel. And Gibeon was a great city, according to our text. Gibeon was sort of like Taft, Tennessee. You ever been to Taft? We now have a flashing stoplight between the main crossroads. Not just a regular stop sign. We have a flashing stoplight. And Taft is halfway between Fayetteville and Ardmore. And I was trying to tell someone where Taft was located. And I said, well, it's about 10 miles east of Ardmore. And they looked at me and said, where's Ardmore? What? Come on. But back to Gibeon. Taft is, well, we got our own zip code, but anyway. Gibeon has sent word to Joshua, do not forsake us, your servants. Gibeon happened, and all the people of Gibeon happened to be servants by deception. Now they want Israel to protect them. The peace treaty between Israel and Gibeon was not one of where, well, we will be allies and we'll give our daughters and sons and to each other in marriage and so forth. No, no, no. It was a treaty of deception where Gibeon wanted Israel's uh, protection uh, because Israel is strong, but Gibeon has agreed to be slaves of Israel. And Gibeon cries out, Come protect us, Israel, and do it quickly. For we're surrounded by the kings of the Amorites. And in these next few verses, we will read how Israel is valiant. They're noble in their commitment to a people that has deceived them into a peace treaty. And we will also read in the next few verses of the biggest cosmic miracle of the Bible apart from creation. In my simplistic thinking, the Big Bang Theory is man trying to explain God speaking matter into existence. 
and they take great pains to do this, and they talk about nanoseconds and all that happened within a, uh, you know, a nanosecond. But take note in our passage here of the dedication and the faithfulness of Israel to Gibeon who deceived them into a treaty. So let's read verses 7 through 15. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of the war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azkah of Makakadah or whatever. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the, uh, the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them for his Azkah. And they died. There were none, there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up their Amorites before the children of Israel. And Joshua said, In the sight of the people, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Abidjan. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people were revenged upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there, was, and there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all of Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. It is not always easy to keep our promises or fulfill our commitments. To keep promises that perhaps were delivered uh, to us by deception, uh, like Gibeon did to Israel. And now Gibeon wants Israel, hey, we made a treaty with you. Come protect us. In everyday life, I'm always impressed when I see a person who serves or fulfills their commitment to the Lord and it costs them something. We all can, you know, be uh, sunny day servants, but when it costs us to serve the Lord, when it costs us time or when it costs us effort or it's inconvenient. I appreciate, how much more do you think the Lord appreciates that? Joshua, he marches his troops all night long. They climb a 400-foot elevation to uh, get to Gibeon, and then they fight hand-to-hand -hand combat with the five kings and their armies all day long. Then Joshua prays for more time. We need more time, Lord, to rout them. We need more time to fight 
Gibeon's enemies. That is commitment. And it was commitment that was noble. Joshua's, uh, his prayer to a cosmologist would be considered a prayer of ignorance. Joshua prayed for the sun and the moon to stand still. Joshua did not realize that the earth revolves on its axis around the sun. Nor does the sun orbit the earth. How foolish of Joshua to think and pray such a prayer. By the way, Easter Sunday, we're going to have a sunrise service. That was a test. A sunrise service? <laughs> the terms we still use today, Joshua used. But don't miss the essence of Joshua's prayer. God understood what Joshua wanted, and God met him there. God knew and stopped. He altered the rotation of the earth for about a day. Consider that. Now, I've read several books on, uh, that focus on this long day with the earth stopping its rotation. And, you know, and they try to explain what could cause this. Perhaps it was a near miss by a, another large planet coming into close proximity to the earth. And the speculation in the cause of this, well, it, it just goes, you know, amok. So let me help you with what caused the earth to stand still. God stopped it. And he stopped the moon from Joshua's viewpoint. And that's all Joshua could, could pray from. He prayed as he saw things. For me... To realize creation, God creating the heavens and the earth, separating light from darkness, creation by God is much more plausible than any Big Bang theory. Sorry, I just, I'll go with God on that one. The whole Big Bang theory is man's attempt to explain or try to keep God out of the equation. And it's simply that God spoke matter into existence. And man cannot handle that. Or scientific man cannot. Understand. Adam was created fully mature. A rational, intelligent human being. Intelligence was given to Adam right from the get-go. He didn't have to learn. He knew because God had given him that knowledge. He did not go through a learning process. And that alone is foreign to us. Consider Adam's first day on earth. Adam did not ask God, what was I doing yesterday? Because he wasn't yesterday. God created him. Man is considered 
uh, God's greatest creation, mankind. The same God, if he could create a man, the top of his creation, mature, fully developed, could he not create a universe, mature also, with light already having traveled from the different stars and galaxies? For me, that's a simple, yeah, he could have. And I think he did. But God isn't through with the miracles in this battle of Joshua. Now we see the Lord casting down large hailstones on a fleeing army. God is raining down hailstones that are killing the Amorites, but he's not killing the Israelites. He has drawn a line where the hailstones will fall. Today, we do great research in producing massive, tremendous nuclear explosions. And the results of these explosions are mushroom clouds plus devastation. But God sends a gigantic thunderstorm over Israel, Joshua, and the Amorites. And through this thunderstorm and through the hail of this thunderstorm, God kills more of the Amorites than Israel did with their swords and their weapons. The hail falling on the evil, but not on the just. That's a pretty exacting line when you're in hand-to-hand combat with an enemy. You're fighting a guy, and all of a sudden he drops dead, and you go, Oh, I didn't hit him. Oh, that hailstone got him. You were that close, and God divided the storm that precisely. The extra long day, these gigantic hailstones come as a simple answer to Joshua's prayer. God knew what Joshua was praying for, and Joshua didn't pray enlightened. He prayed for the sun and the moon to stand still. But let us not forget, let us consider that Joshua spoke to the Lord and prayed his prayer, where? In sight of all of Israel. All of Israel is watching their leader, and their leader is crying out to God. Joshua put his faith on the line in front of an entire nation. Have you ever hesitated to pray boldly? Maybe to hedge your prayer? To give yourself an out in case God doesn't answer that prayer? I think we all have. Our hesitation, us being timid, even if the Spirit of God is moving on us and leading us to pray a prayer of faith and we don't pray it, that is because there is a lack of faith in us. I'm thoroughly convinced that we miss many great victories and miracles because of our doubt.
or our fear of sounding irrational. Look back to Abraham and Sarah. God had promised Abraham and Sarah a son, a son that Sarah will have. But Abraham and Sarah, they're old, well beyond Sarah's years of childbearing. But then we read how Abraham's faith began to grow strong as he grew older. Abraham considered the promises of God greater than his aging, dying body. God delights in doing the impossible. I think our Lord takes great pleasure in doing the things that we consider a miracle. This this prayer of Joshua, I think he's led by the Holy Spirit to pray the prayer. And he's praying for God to alter the laws of physics for our world. And God didn't disappoint him, did he? Turn with me to Mark 11. We'll read a couple, three verses there. It's in Mark 11, we have uh, Jesus speaking to his uh, disciples, and he's telling them to have faith. Mark 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. You notice that prayer isn't talking maybe one time. No maybes. Uh, I couldn't find my resource on this, but I read a story a few years back of a Christian orphanage in Southeast Asia. The school teacher there was teaching on faith when she came across the passage that we just read. A young Christian girl in her class told her teacher she was praying for the mountain between the school and the ocean to be removed so they could enjoy an ocean view. The teacher is in a dilemma. How does she tell this young girl, this young Christian girl, maybe you should not literally pray for a mountain to be removed But the little girl continued to pray for the mountain to be removed. Shortly after this encounter with the teacher, a huge construction company brings in massive earth-moving equipment and begins to level the mountain for construction project. Now the orphanage has an ocean view. And the young Christian girl 
her faith in God, her faith in the word of God was more precious to God than that mountain. And God removed the mountain. Think with me here. It cost us nothing extra to have earth-moving faith. Faith is free. It's been said when you dream, dream big. (laughs) And God tells us, if you have just a little faith, you can pray for great things. Is there a mountain in your life that needs to be removed? Pray. Pray believing. Give the Lord an opportunity to show him strong on your behalf. The long day recorded in Joshua, by the way, it's been confirmed by a science, by cosmologists, it did happen. There is a long day in the history of our world. And it happened against all logic. Let me conclude with verse 14. And there has been no day like it, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, and the Lord fought for Israel that day. The good news is God fights for us, his people, every day. He fights for you, and he fights for me, and he does it on a regular basis. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. If you have something that you would like someone to agree with you in prayer, there'll be people back in their little prayer area. They'll be happy to agree with you in prayer. Be bold in your faith. Be bold in your prayers. Joshua didn't know what he was asking for, but the Lord did, and the Lord answered him. Amen? Father God, help us to understand, in part at least, your great power, your awesomeness, Lord, and that you promise us, if we will pray believing, that there's nothing beyond the scope of you answering. So, Lord, we don't want to ask for foolish things just to test you, But, Lord, there's many things in our life that we need to be bringing before you in prayer. Lord, there's relationships that need mending. There's hurt feelings that need to be uh, soothed over. Some of us could be in financial straits, Lord. You're our deliverer. You're our provider. We ask you to provide. Whatever our need is, Lord, Give us the faith and the courage to at least pray about it, and you you answer in any way you please, Lord. You are God. But let us never doubt your strength and your awesome power, Lord. Thank you so much for answering Joshua's prayer, giving us that long day, Lord. What an example for us to just be courageous in our faith and in our prayers. Do good things for us, your people. 
This we pray for, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.